Ni hao from Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Coleman Lutz, and welcome to the Frontier Space Podcast, where we'll discover how space technology, geospatial intelligence, and much more are changing our world. Real quick, 60 seconds in space. A space center in Iran experienced its third launch failure of the year back in late August, which was publicized via Planet Lab's satellite imagery. And within hours of Trump's tweet, professional asteroid and satellite trackers identified that image as coming from America's most advanced, top-secret, and multi-billion-dollar satellite constellation known as KH-11, which collects 10-centimeter resolution imagery. At USJF's June 2019 conference, I met a wonderful woman by the name of Sue Gordon, who spent three decades of her life with the CIA and, and served for two years as Principal Deputy Director of National Intelligence, which is the second-in-command at ODNI, leading the intelligence community in the White House. It's really unfortunate that Trump did not let her take over and that she resigned afterwards. In other news, NASA is launching a solar-powered four-pound helicopter to Mars in July of 2020 to advance exploration of our red neighbor. Virgin Orbit has plans to send a Polish small sat from Sat Revolution to Mars as soon as 2020. And check out the links in the podcast description for more information. Alrighty, let's dive into our 10 market predictions and trends that are revolutionizing Earth observation and satellites. Coming in at number one, we have the market saturation of satellite communication and global broadband connectivity. So this is a highly competitive marketplace for broadband connectivity with organizations such as SpaceX, OneWeb, Amazon, and Telesat. And Boeing appears to be a step behind the competition with plans to develop, launch, and operate constellation of 3,000 satellites in low-Earth orbit. I, I was not aware of that one. <laughs> it's important to realize that these networks could become instant competitors to ISP, internet service providers such as AT&T and Verizon, without the monumental infrastructure costs of fiber connectivity. You know, myself and some space advocates were somewhat hoping that SpaceX realizes this goal because the majority of that revenue stream will be used to fund and explore space and to become an extraterrestrial species. And keep in mind that you could be funding space exploration at the same time on top of the 30 to $50 each American taxpayer is paying NASA each year. And the competition and omnipresence of this data, of, of data connectivity, drives down the price margins increases affordability and these communication networks are becoming increasingly automated and job positions may eventually become less available and as this whole um, ecosystem evolves the space workforce will experience transformations that will shape market trends and it's gonna be very interesting to see where the global human workforce transitions their talents towards so I've come to realize that a greater understanding of the driving factors behind these career inflection points could potentially broaden the lifespan of space careers. Our second 
market prediction and trend is a revolution for on-orbit services. Besides communication, I believe that the on-orbit services market will experience some of the most growth in this new decade. Did you know that whenever a satellite launches into space, propellant typically makes up 50-95% of the launch mass? And rockets that are zooming around in space have no air pushing against them. And consider this one. The primary reason for the end of a spacecraft's mission is a lack of remaining propellant. And so all of these variables together culminate into rising costs and barriers in space that result in what are now market drivers. Such a capability could extend a satellite's operating life by around 10 to 15 years to potentially decades. Here is an incredible success story. One California-based company known as Momentus, a space transportation startup, raised $25.5 million back in July. And they are pioneering an in-space rocket powered by water plasma thrusters to get satellites to any custom orbit 10 times cheaper than what has ever been possible. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about science fiction becoming reality. Another success story, Daniel Faber co-founded OrbitFab in 2018. Him and his team raised $3 million within a year of launch, and they are building the first gas stations in Earth's orbit. Their main services include the safety orbiting of the inactive satellites, the optional extraction of remaining propellant before deorbiting, and life extension satellite servicing and space tugs. It's something like a tugboat or a ferry on water that's pulling an object to its desired place. Also, we accomplished a huge milestone very recently. Humanity's first robotic servicing mission was launched on the Russian Proton rocket on October 9th. Northrop Grumman and NASA's Mission Extension Vehicle, otherwise known as MEV, will provide life-extending services for over five years, which when you think about it, could save a lot of our, our green paper down here on Earth. Their MEV can dock with 80% of the current geostationary satellites, even if they weren't designed for servicing or in-space rendezvous. And this space ecosystem becomes ever more sustainable when on-orbit servicing satellites refuel themselves with space fuel tank depots. And another fact to consider is that around 60% of the orbiting satellites are inactive. And so I've come to believe that there's so much room for innovation and a lot of opportunity here. Our third market trend is the increased demand for alternative propulsion services. So in human history, conventional satellite propulsion systems have primarily used liquid thrusters to accurately control the position and attitude of these spacecraft. Hydrazine, which is a traditional chemical fuel that's used by satellites, is, is very expensive to exploit as a uh, propellant. And this is developed from the monumental costs from the security of transporting this highly toxic substance. And more recently, solar electric propulsion systems have become mainstream 
as they allow spacecraft to move around more efficiently. So we ionize the solar cells inside the combustion chamber, and from there, a magnet is situated on the spacecraft to pull the energy towards the rear. And this method uses 10 times less propellant and results in significant cost savings. A wonderful startup known as Phase 4 is developing electric propulsion systems for small sats. One key aspect of their technology is that the thrusters can combust almost any neutral gas and not just xenon. Their instantaneous RF thrusters operate by using radio frequency to heat propellant into the ionized plasma, leading to a 75% reduction in lead time and materials cost. Coming in at number four, we have market diversification from high altitude pseudo-satellites. <laughs> so there are these massive balloons over 180 meters in length that are floating in our atmosphere. The global HAPS high altitude pseudo satellite market is, is expected to reach 22.6 billion US dollars by the end of 2023, growing at a current annual growth rate of 9% until 2023. HAPS could be the missing link between the, these satellites and um, drones. And Airbus's Zephyr is an affordable solar electric UAV that flies in the stratosphere. With a wingspan of 25 meters, these ultra lightweight birds fly for months at a time. And consider this one, at 75,000 feet in altitude, these HAPS platforms capture much greater spatial resolution and connectivity. They lower risk with far less lead time and they aren't subject to bureaucratic hurdles. Thales Alenia's Stratobus airship is a giant balloon with solar roof panels that can carry more payload and generate more power than aerodynamic HAPS, and they can operate with almost any kind of sensor. It would be awesome if we could be inside one of these floating silver pirate ships. So this HAPS innovation is genius, and I believe it will continue to disrupt and diversify Earth observation markets. Shall we take a break? Our fifth market prediction is the realization of satellite imagery with sub-centimeter spatial resolution. So over the course of a few decades, we've come from 50 meters down to 30 centimeters. And who's to say that we should stop there? We can anticipate that the market for very high spatial resolution will take some time to develop, mainly to develop the technology and the business use case and logistics of privacy concern. So to my limited understanding, most technology and sensors are based off of atomic properties, not quantum properties. And so as we thrust forward into paradigms brought forth from the quantum age we're living in, I think we'll experience a domino effect that ripples across the manufacturing of satellite components from quantum technology. At number six, we have the growth in demand for satellite video. Satellite video primarily refers to collecting a near instantaneous amount of imagery over your area of interest. 
not providing uh, television services the same. <laughs> There's several organizations that are pioneering this, this next generation technology. Um, and I believe that I believe that by harnessing the satellite video will be able to develop superior data analytics capabilities. I'd love to host some of the people from these incredible organizations. And so of course this trend will depend on each application use case, right? So the primary applications for um, satellite imagery will be less time sensitive, such as agriculture or monitoring ice melting. Whereas the demand for satellite video will require more time sensitive scenarios, you know, such as your monitoring um, traffic management or automated target recognition uh, to monitor almost any vehicle on planet Earth. I believe that satellite video will transform disaster response management and weather as well. And hey, if we're talking the US geospatial community and NGA, satellite video is showing the way. <laughs> Part of me thinks ever so often that what, what if 50 years from now, we glance back in time and, and we think to ourselves, what the heck were we doing taking photos up there for a few decades? <laughs> so our seventh market trend is expansion of our lunar economy. I predict that the moon will become our primary vehicle for the new space economy. And here's why. Because the moon harnesses around one-sixth the gravity of Earth requiring approximately less than 10% of thrust from a lunar rocket to, to reach the same velocity uh, as, as here on Earth. I believe that we'll actually be launching a majority of spacecraft from our moon, such as small sats to orbit Earth or, and to explore our solar system. The long-term cost savings may be very appealing, and at the same time, this emerging lunar economy is becoming a very competitive landscape. And this possibility is found upon several key milestones and assumptions that we'll explore with an expert in another episode. But remember that that big hunk of rock that's teasing us every night is, is a stepping stone to explore our cosmos. Our eighth market prediction is that lower number constellations may drive more sustainable business models. And I say this as a believer that on-orbit services and fueling will be mainstream before 2030. Imagine trying to refuel or repair hundreds or or over a thousand satellites in orbit. I mean, it's like a lot of these operators like SpaceX's Starlink, OneWeb, Telesat, SatWeb Revolution, and EarthNow maybe at a substantial revenue loss what we're looking for is a is a larger swath of imagery and uh, communication sensors uh, with with a more agile spot beam mobility so the ninth market trend refers to the increasing amount of data integration you know from self-driving cars to to brain computer interfaces Earth observation data 
from satellites will become integrated into all sorts of software. And I think it's become so mainstream that half of us may not even realize how a technology or application knows something before we do. This data from space harmonizes unfavorable events with smarter decision-making in near real time. And as we build a society that is ever more transparent and mitigate economic and financial loss, our human species converges at increasing rates towards economic equilibrium and global peace. Okay, so moving on to the final trend. What do all of these spacecraft have in common? Yes, they are giant hunks of metal moving insanely fast, but most of them are filling in the gaps of the electromagnetic spectrum. Let's, let's think about this one for a second. I believe we'll see increase in demand for less transparent light and frequencies, such as short, near, infrared, ultraviolet data, and atmospheric monitoring. I think there's going to be some incredible innovation made in uh, the 3D conversion and visualization of spectral bands. And I'm also surprised we haven't invested more in the carbon and methane emission and air quality solutions. And hey, this one could open a whole can of worms. But things start to get really crazy when satellites begin observing the electromagnetic field. And we're talking about monitoring our terrestrial aurora and energy fields of objects and life. If anyone is interested or you know has designed magnetic field satellites, I mean, let's build a constellation together. <laughs> so as homo sapiens, we have an insatiable desire to see what we cannot see and to know what we don't know. We, we have this tendency to correlate what is happening on Earth on a micro scale. And technology and AI empower us to view the invisible. Remember that we are in a time period where that, that could be compared to back before the internet days. You know, call them a powerful force of the universe. The satellites are a sort of a stepping stone and, and they allow us to advance our civilization and to develop our space ecosystem and to explore the cosmos. I think what lies above our heads, space holds the key to open these uncharted doors. Hey, if you found today's episode helpful, it would mean so much to me if you could share with a friend or leave a review. And to whoever is listening out there, you guys are all awesome. And I appreciate you listening. And I will catch you next time. Bon voyage.